Good morning, Medellin. Good morning, followers and subscribers to the podcast. We're also live on TikTok for the first time. So if you're joining here on TikTok, uh, you'll see it in the app for TikTok. Uh, what's up, guys? We are going to be covering the news for episode 311 today. Uh, a lot of really cool stuff has been happening and cropping up. Uh, the first thing um, is the Filecoin virtual machine, which is coming out, the NYDFS and how they want to crack down in New York, Coinbase's future and what that looks like as potentially a federally regulated exchange, the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade, which is coming up, uh, Tezos has partnered with Google Cloud. There's a lot going on with decentralized uh, cloud storage right now. And Titanic NFTs, if NFTs even matter to you anymore. Um, we will talk about that as well. So first thing, first first up on the list is the Filecoin virtual machine. Again, if you want to watch the full video live, you can do so on YouTube. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it uh, pretty much any other social media platform. Um, or wait till it comes out or on TikTok, where some people might be watching right now. Anyways, the Filecoin virtual machine is slated to come out March 14th, I believe. Uh, this is some really big news where they're integrating for the first time smart contracts with provable decentralized storage. So here on the, the Filecoin website, it says the Filecoin virtual machine FVM is a runtime environment for smart contracts, also called actors. On the Filecoin network, FVM brings user programmability to Filecoin, unleashing the enormous potential of an open data economy. Very exciting stuff. Um, they have developer resources, places where you can deploy a contract. You can explore the test net. So the main net, I think, is March 14th. And then after that, they roll out more stuff. Um, let's see, what else do they have? Why FVM? The FVM unlocks boundless possibilities ranging from data DAOs to perpetual storage to financial services for miners, uh, collateral lending, liquid staking, insurance protocols, decentralized computing, layer two networks, yada, yada, yada. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. Uh, data DAOs, perpetual storage, uh, new storage market, primitives, replication workers. They have a lot of stuff, shit, repair workers, Insurance protocols, storage derivatives, decentralized compute, computing, decentralized computing, enabling L2 networks, cross network, interoperability bridges. Anyways, go to fvm.filecoin.io if you want to get a better understanding of what the Filecoin virtual machine is going to look like. It's very exciting stuff. All right, let's move on to the next piece of news. forgot to even highlight it. Highlighting the NYDFS. Let me pull that up. NYDFS. Where are you? It's always hard to pull this stuff up on StreamYard. I got too many tabs open. Shout out to the people on TikTok that are watching. Happy to have you guys here. Make sure to like the video. NYDFS introduces enhancements for crackdown on virtual currency fraud. So the New York Department of Financial Services, NYDFS, has introduced enhancements um, for this crackdown to detect illegal activities in crypto firms. And this is the latest development in the New York regulators' increased scrutiny of firms operating in the virtual currency space. Uh, the increased ability to detect insider trading and beyond, I think, is primarily what they want to focus on. Uh, just like a lot of other agencies in the U.S., the SEC, uh, FinCEN, um, they've all gotten 
way more picky with exchanges and crypto companies lately. SEC just settled with Kraken for like $30 million a week ago. Coinbase got a case dismissed in court. Then YDFS announced the enhancements in a 21, February 21st press release, according to the superintendents, let's say what they said in the press release. The new enhancements will provide the department with additional capabilities to detect potential insider trading, market manipulation, and front-running activity associated with department-regulated entities and applicants' exposure or potential exposure to listed cryptocurrency wallet addresses. This is a significant step in our vision of the virtual currency industry as it continues to quickly transform and mature. These tools will help us combat financial crime and fraud, hold regulated entities accountable, and further strengthen our national leadership in virtual currency supervision. So I, I know a lot of people get scared when they see these quote unquote crackdowns, these regulators come in and um, the different regulation landscape that's getting rolled out. But in all honesty, this is stuff that is vitally important for this industry moving forward. If we're going to have a multi-trillion dollar industry, I was talking to someone on the last episode of the podcast and right now in crypto, we're in this weird space where we have um, about a trillion dollar, half a trillion dollar industry, depending on, you know, which year we're in, where it's not big enough to be its own industry, but it is big enough to be a top fortune 500 company. So is crypto going to amount to more than where it is at right now? That that'll really depend on these regulations because the regulations allow for money to properly come into the space, money that's in hedge funds, sovereign wealth, um, at the government level, private equity firms, uh, private investors, those that want to put money in the space, the banking system. Just recently, they're able to put like 2% on their balance sheet. Um, so we're, we're just getting started in this space in terms of allowing real capital to come in for the first time and prop it up to, I think, the degree we want to see it all go to. So, you know, cheers to 2023. Hopefully that's the year. Next up is Coinbase's future. So I'm going to pull this up. Bear with me. Coinbase. Where is it? Where is it? Is it this one? There we go. Coinbase is looking to be the first federally regulated crypto marketplace. Um, whether or not this happens will be very interesting. Um, but let's let's read a little bit more into it to get a better idea. So according to Fox Business, the chairman of Investors Exchange IEX, Brad Katsuyama, is in talks with Coinbase for a federally approved digital assets marketplace. Katsuyama, along with his three NASDAQ colleagues, founded IEX in 2012. Um, people with direct knowledge of the matter gave information about the Coinbase partnership, but according to an IEX spokeswoman, we continue to see, to consider ways that we can help provide a regulatory path for digital asset securities, including conversations with, with regulators and other market participants, but have not finalized any specific proposal that includes any third parties. Uh, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried and the Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler also had meetings to discuss the matter. This, this is, you know, the future of where it's going in the U.S. because there's no, like, actual law or bill or legislation out on crypto as of right now. So it's really hard for a lot of exchanges 
and this is partly with what happened to FTX is it was no one was looking over it and there was no oversight. You know, there's a lot of questions about where the money came from and Gary Gensler's involvement with the SEC and, you know, the fact that they were working on this stuff very closely too with FTX, which is one of the biggest exchanges in the world at the time before it fell apart. And now it's just completely irrelevant. Um, you know, Coinbase, in my opinion, is probably the strongest and most well-funded and backed exchange in the U.S. And that's probably going to be the one that ends up getting this done at some point. And I don't know if there'll be some kind of federal guideline for this, if Coinbase will get federally regulated at some level. But um, if Coinbase is able to, in some ways, get a charter to be a bank and guarantee you FDIC insured up to like $250,000, then they should be able to do the same thing. There needs to be like a path forward. I imagine they're going to take um, traditional banks and have to apply this to them as well because they also want to touch crypto. So there are some broader blanket kind of regulation that's coming at the federal level at some point. Right now, everything's been regulated state by state. All right. The Shanghai Ethereum upgrade. This is a big one. This is coming up. You all probably remember the Ethereum merge back in September. Yeah, it was a very, very interesting and crazy time. Here we go. All right, the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade on Sepolia set for February 28th. So in about six days from now, because we're at the 22nd, will the price surge in March? I think there's a very good chance of that. I think at this point in time, we honestly, realistically could see that happen. It really depends. Um, we're already in an upswing in the market, which is really nice. So, and Ethereum has done well since the beginning of January, you know, kind of getting back to prior um, increases in its price, a little bit more mo momentum. But will this be enough? Will this push it over the top? Will this draw enough people in? I know the merge was also really controversial for a lot of people. And in some ways, people felt that it made Ethereum way too centralized. So I don't know if this is going to have the same level of popularity. This might be a complete nothing burger at the end of the day, but it's worth talking about because it's still a very important event. Ethereum being the pioneer of um proof of work mining essentially outside of Bitcoin and building this industry. Now moving to proof of stake is a very big deal still. It's the second biggest blockchain in the world. Number one um, smart contract platform in the world. Number one for dApps. Still has that market share dominated. All right, let's read more about this. Uh, the Shanghai slash Capella upgrade, also called Chappella, is set for deployment on the Ethereum testnet, Sepolia network on Epoch 56832, blah, blah, blah. What does this mean? Uh, this means that withdrawals are coming and months of testing and ephemeral DevNet launch as the upgrade continues, combines, and the execution and consensus layers come together, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, this is the second public testnet launch before the Shanghai hard fork goes live on the mainnet after the prior stress tests on Zhejiang 
I, I pronounce things very badly sometimes. I apologize. Revealed some minor bugs that might have since been addressed and will not affect the timeline for further updates. Uh, Chappella upgrade arrives a little later than expected as a platforms developer. Barnabas Busa, Barnabas, it's a cool name, previously announced it would be implemented six days after the, again, sorry, Zhejiang public staking testnet, which took place on February 1st. Um, there's also a lot of Ethereum staked on the network. I do wonder if this could be a potential catalyst for people to sell off a lot of that and it could tank the price of Ethereum. Like there's a lot of things that could happen that could be uh, negative here as well. So be very careful if you're trading Ethereum right now. You know, these upgrades, these major milestones aren't always bullish signals to buy. You know, sometimes, you know, these transitions can just cause a lot of selling and a lot of FUD. Uh, so be mindful of that. Moving on to Tezos, they are working with Google Cloud. Uh, this is very interesting. Again, a lot of decentralized cloud storage use cases cropping up lately. Not sure what sparked that, but it's very fascinating. Let's see. Where could it be? Where could it be? Is it this one? Yes. All right. Google Cloud is to become a validator on the Tezos network. Ooh, that's exciting. Marking the tech giant's latest integration with a blockchain network following similar moves with Ethereum and Solana late last year. Solana sucks, guys. You know, don't, don't ever own any Solana. I, I hate that blockchain. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to talk about that on another podcast, but all the downtime is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why Google Cloud is still working with them. Anyways... Uh, corporate customers of Google Cloud's computing service will be able to deploy Tezos nodes in order to build Web3 applications on the network. Integrations of this kind should demonstrate the interest tech giants are taking in blockchain and Web3 projects and may promote confidence of other firms looking to move into the industry. I don't know. I, I don't think Tezos is big enough to really warrant something like that. I did see it move in price the other day. Um, again, I think this is probably another nothing burger, but it is interesting. I do think there's a big move with cloud storage right now into the, into the blockchain space, into Web3, primarily because it's cheaper than using traditional cloud storage. It's faster. It's more secure. Um, like for reference, I personally use Dropbox. Cost me like a hundred and something dollars a year and I get like two terabytes and it's very helpful. I've never had a problem with it, but with Filecoin, for example, through IPFS, you're going to be able to do it for like dollars. Like it's very, very cheap um, and far more secure because it's not going to be held in a centralized server anywhere. It's going to be distributed across the Filecoin network. Now there's a lot of questions on Filecoin's tokenomics. I've looked into it a little bit. I'm not overly worried about it. I think it's just something that has been super hyped. I invested in Filecoin in its SAFT originally like 2018, I think, 2017, 2018, a long time ago. I think 2018. And it was at like sub $5 at that point in time. And look at it right now. It's like hovering between $750 and $850. Um, and it's gone as high as like $200. Like it's been very volatile as a coin. And I think 
as a platform. You know, I've interviewed Protocol Labs before. They're a hardworking bunch doing a lot of good stuff. I think that there's a lot of legs to run for Filecoin. I think it's going to do very well. Um, and I think this is something that, um, you know, for Tezos, this is very interesting too. Um, I, I don't know where Google Cloud wants to take this, but I do feel that... Uh, I just lost my train of thought. It's kind of hard when you're doing like a podcast here and you're doing TikTok down here. Like you have like a couple things, um, you know, that you're trying to pay attention to. But I... I think for Google Cloud, this might be a really interesting solution. I don't know if Tezos is the blockchain to do it on. I've also interviewed Arthur Brightman in the past with Tezos, and they are doing some fantastic things. But I, I don't know. It's something they'll just have to play out. I do think Filecoin has the edge here with cloud storage. Um, they have a much, much better network with IPFS, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, last thing we're talking about today is the Titanic NFTs. This is just kind of a fun one. It's kind of stupid at the same time, but... Oh, fuck it. Why not cover it? Who cares? Let's see. So Titanic artifacts are to be tokenized as NFTs in a new partnership. Fascinating. I, I don't see the point in doing this, but anyways, they are. Artifacts recovered from the wreckage of the Titanic will be tokenized using blockchain technology through a partnership driven by the company that acts as a steward of the sunken vessel. A three-way partnership involving the company RMS Titanic, RMST, sounds like a cryptocurrency, Hong Kong-based venture smart financial holdings and Web3 firm Artifact Labs will begin tokenizing precious artifacts from the Titanic to unlock a myriad of Web3 functionalities. Select artifacts from the sunken Titanic will be preserved as non-fungible tokens to open up shared ownership to the general public. RMST holds the exclusive rights to recover artifacts from the Titanic and its wider debris field from the bottom of the North Atlantic Ocean. Why do they? Hold on. RMS Titanic, RMST. Does anyone know? Is this like just some company that's claimed it or is this the actual company from like a long time ago? Like what is RMS Titanic, RMST? I, I want to I wanna look that up. I'm very curious. Um. Because they, they can license the assets. They have claim to it at the bottom of the ocean. I know there's a lot of valuable goods down there they just can't bring back up. But I don't know if NFTs are a good way. It's not like safe down there. Like at some point, it's going to completely degrade and disappear, right? It's, it's going to continue to lose value. Everything that's on the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean, it, it's kind of stupid to attach an NFT to it. Like, why would you buy the NFT knowing it's just going to lose value? I don't know. Maybe there's like gold-laced jewelry or furniture. I know there was a lot of jewels and whatnot involved. Anyways, wait, hold on one second. The NFTs will create a digital means to interact with RMST content outside of the physical exhibitions in Atlanta and Las Vegas. So they're, they're trying to also add in like these experiences that you get from from owning the nfts anyways i think that one's stupid all right guys that's it for the episode today uh that's what's going on in the crypto market so keep your head on a swivel a lot of interesting things are happening i think march is going to be very very important i think it's very underestimated and god will we have a iso 222 is coming up 
We have the Filecoin virtual machine coming out. Um, it's a couple other big events. Um, ETH Denver is coming. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting month. So this pullback you're seeing in the market is a bit more of a consolidation than it is, you know, collapsing in any kind of way. It's It's been a little ugly for a couple of days, but it'll probably be like that most of this week. And then by the time we get to the weekend, we get into the next week, I think things will start to lighten up a bit. And then March will be very interesting. So invest wisely out there and see you all next time.